When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, it's a pretty big night for Ohio State fans around the country anxiously waiting to find out on tonight's college football playoff reveal show. The penultimate rankings come out. Where will the Buckeyes sit? And most importantly, will Ohio State be ranked ahead of Alabama with both teams not playing on conference championship weekend? We've got that to dive into. We'll give you our take. Plus, Luke Fickle, the new head coach at Wisconsin, President Johnson at Ohio State has announced her resignation and a couple of other thoughts around the college football playoff. We've got plenty to get to this morning on Buckeye Breakdown. We've got the whole crew together as we cover Ohio State with our instant analysis from Ohio State. There's something that doesn't feel right. Unbelievable effort from him today. Is EJ Liddell going to crack the first team all Big Ten? I think he can be the guy. I'm not trying to start a quarterback controversy. He seems to have the durability. He certainly has the toughness. This is the question on a lot of people's minds here. Welcome to Buckeye Breakdown. Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Buckeye Breakdown on Tuesday morning here in Columbus. Alongside Craig Heisen, I'm Brendan Gulick. I got to be honest, it still doesn't feel good after we've now had a little bit more separation, uh, a couple of days, a couple nights sleep after Ohio State did not play very well against the Michigan Wolverines in the fourth quarter and lost 45-23. And we'll continue to talk a little bit about the aftermath of that game um, but it is time to start turning our attention to what's coming because the reality is, Craig, the season's not over, and I, I don't agree with it, but ESPN put out uh, a, a playoff prediction uh, metric according to their computer data. They think Ohio State's got an 88% chance to still make the playoff, which means they're certainly banking on either TCU and or USC losing their conference championship games. Uh, and so I think the, the big topic of conversation right now around Buckeye fans is do the Buckeyes belong in the playoff? And and frankly, compared to Alabama coming into tonight's second to last rankings, where will Ohio State fare compared to Bama? And I've heard lots of arguments on both sides. Should the Buckeyes be ranked ahead of Bama or behind them? So let's kind of start a podcast today with that particular conversation. Maybe you might take in a minute, but you you go ahead and jump in first. Where do you think Ohio State is going to be ranked tonight, and and should they be in front of Alabama? That is the the question on everybody's mind. Obviously, if they are behind Alabama tonight, uh, it's it's over for the playoff. There's no way they can they can move up. It looks like they're headed back to the Rose Bowl. Which well, maybe not um, over. I don't want to cut you off, but if TCU and USC both lose, if they both lose, and I was going to get that they could both go in. Right. I was going to get I was going to get there, and that's going to be part of part of my thought press on process on it. To me, if TCU loses and it's close, really good game, I think they still get in. I think the committee does not, just by the this year, the way they've gone about it, I don't think they're going to punish TCU for getting to their conference title game and losing a close game. Now, if they get blown out, it, anything can go, and it, Buckeyes will probably get in over TCU uh, again. So TCU fans will will be very upset uh, with Ohio State for the second time. 
Um, tonight, I think Ohio State comes in at five. Um, there's a small percentage in, in the back of my head that I think they put them at four. And if they are, they're really in business because, hey, it's you, USC, you got to win to get in kind of thing. And if they don't, the Buckeyes will be at four. Um, so, but yeah, I expect them to be at five tonight. I see the Alabama argument. I just look at who they've beaten. I mean, I, I don't know who their best win is. At the time, you could, I guess it was Ole Miss, but then we saw how they finished up at, I think, eight and four. So um, they had really close games with Texas, uh, beat them by a last second field goal without Quinn Ewers playing in that game. Um, I think Texas finished up eight and four. Yeah, they played LSU and um, Tennessee tight and lost at the end, but it's one of those things that's like, hey, do they, you don't get credit for your close losses, really. Um, so I, I just don't know what, what their marquee win is. I don't, I don't know. Is it? Yeah, I mean, I look at Alabama, and honestly, I, I get it. I think Alabama is very talented, but I think they're in an even more frustrating position than Ohio State um, mm -hmm. because of the way things have played out down there this year. I actually don't think this is much of an argument. My personal opinion yeah. is that Ohio State, if it came down to you got one spot and the conversation is, should Ohio State get in or should Bama get in? If that's actually the conversation, I, I really don't think it's going to take that long for the, the committee to realize that Ohio State gets in in front of Alabama. Um, in addition to having lost a second game, which should mean something, and no two-loss team has ever gotten in the playoff, so it would have to be something so special to put a two-loss team in in front of what would be several one-loss teams. They, Frankly, they should have lost a third game if Quinn Ewers didn't get hurt to Texas. They, I know they lost at the end of the game twice, but look at who they beat. Mississippi State is barely a top 25 team. Ole Miss finished the year 8-4, and four, and, and they were 4-4 four and four in league play. I'm not saying Ole Miss isn't a good team. I wouldn't be hanging my hat on that game as a marquee victory. Mm -hmm. um, Arkansas for a while looked like they might be a good team. They finished three and five in league play and they were 500. So, I, I mean, I know they were ranked 20th when, when Alabama beat them, but as the season's gone along, that win is looking a lot less impressive. So I, I, I realize they beat their, their rivals in Auburn. Auburn is not a good football team this year. And there's a reason why. There's some serious turmoil down there with, with their coaching staff changing. I I just don't think Alabama has a particularly strong case compared to the Buckeyes, who, again, left a, a bad lasting impression in the committee's mouth with the way they played in that fourth quarter. But Ohio State has a top 10 road win at Penn State, and they've got a win over a Notre Dame team that is looking better and better as the year goes along, even if Notre Dame didn't beat USC this past weekend. Um, I, I don't think this necessarily has to be a, is the big 10 better than an sec conversation? The Buckeyes had double digit point victories against every single team on their entire schedule, every single team until the last game of the year. And I know they didn't look good in the second half and certainly in the fourth quarter against Michigan, um, Ohio state, I don't think has a great resume to get in the playoff, but I think, Ohio State is probably going to be the first team at the table to get in if somebody else stumbles. But I agree with you. I I am almost more interested tonight to see how the committee looks at Ohio State compared to USC. 
I don't think Ohio State will be ranked in front of TCU because TCU hasn't lost. But is there an argument to be made for Ohio State being fourth and USC being fifth, given how Ohio State's defense has looked on the aggregate this year compared to USC's defense? I'm not saying Ohio State's defense has played unbelievable. They obviously had a really bad performance on Saturday, but they've had some really good moments. And USC's defense has not been very good. Their offense is really good, but their defense has been pretty darn average. And I am a little bit interested to see if the committee is going to put Ohio State in front of USC tonight. It certainly helped that USC and Ohio State had the same margin of victory versus Notre Dame. So you can kind of look at that game because they're, they obviously look at common opponents as one of the criteria. Um, but sitting here as an Ohio State fan, you got to uh, really be happy with South Carolina. Uh, no on the doors off Tennessee, or <laughs> or else we wouldn't even be having this conversation. Ohio State would fall behind and Clemson and, and and Clemson. So that that to me, Tennessee's kicking themselves over that that loss, or else they'd be they'd be right probably sitting at that five slot. Um, but tonight will be interesting. Like I said, I think the Buckeyes will be at five, but there's a small part of me that wouldn't be shocked if they're at four. And the reason I say that, and I apologize to Buckeye Nation for saying this, but Maybe Michigan is the best team in the country, um, which if I'm a Michigan fan, I'm I'm pounding that table saying we are because we just went into number two and blew the doors off Ohio State at home. They've got the best win. And Nobody else they, has gone on the road to a top three team and exactly. beaten them the way Michigan did. So to me, Michigan right now, nationally from everything I've seen, is not getting the respect of why is no one talking about, hey, Michigan could be the best team in the country. Um, that's no excuse for Ohio State to get blown out at home, but maybe they deserve a little bit more credit than they're getting. I, I, I understand that line of thinking. I don't know if I'm totally on board with it mm-hmm. because I think Georgia would handily beat Michigan. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the reason that Michigan exposed Ohio State the way they did was because the Buckeye secondary has not been very good. And the more and more we talk about this and look at actually what happened, uh, and we're going to get into the fake punt here in a second because that we did not address that yesterday. That kind of came out after we finished our it show. It came out yesterday, yeah. Yeah. Um, look, I I don't know that Michigan would get embarrassed in the Big Ten or in, in a college football playoff game if they played Georgia. But I – after having watched enough of Georgia and enough of Michigan this year to feel like I've got an educated opinion, I think Georgia is a soundly better football team. I don't think Michigan can throw the ball very well. The reality is J.J. McCarthy didn't have a great day against Ohio State. He got a lot of passing yards when when their receivers burned Ohio State's secondary and and. I don't want to take that away from them, but it's not like they did something that we haven't seen all year. That's been Ohio State's problem defensively. Their cornerbacks have not been very good, and at times their safety play hasn't been very good. So getting Ohio State in man coverage, whether it was cover zero or cover one, and 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 repeatedly beating the Buckeyes in man, where J.J. McCarthy could throw the ball deep down the field and let his receiver, in particular, Cornelius Johnson, run underneath it and make a catch. He's got a good arm. McCarthy's a good quarterback, but he's not a great quarterback. He has not shown an ability to drive the ball down the field and put it in tight windows. 
and and Georgia's secondary is is very good. I think Michigan would struggle to throw the ball against uh, against Georgia's defense. And if they have to relate only, I'm sorry, if they have to rely only on the run game, I just don't think Georgia's going to have the same uh, problems that Ohio State had against Michigan, where they had to sell out and put an extra guy in the box and then exposed him on the back end. Yeah, if there's any, if we had a secondary um, within three yards of McCarthy on Saturday, that pass was not over the receiver. McCarthy was not completing that pass. These anybody could have pl- completed these these long throws he was making. There was nobody within ten yards. So I think and this is a podcast for another day, but I think Ohio State looks to the transfer portal uh, for some secondary help, especially uh, some corners because that room's pretty thin already. Um, six scholarship guys all were banged up throughout the year. Um, that's somewhere they're going to look to add in the portal, I think. Well, and it should be part of the recruiting pitch to guys like Caleb Downs. It's like, hey, you mm-hmm. you want to come play next year? Because I think we can find a spot for you on the field. Yeah. You know, and, and um, I kept trying to remind myself <laughs> as I watched that whole thing unravel that Sonny Styles is younger than young at this level <laughs> and that, you know, he wasn't really a part of this game. He didn't, he didn't get on the field, but everything about Sonny Styles looks really, really good. And a, another year of development for him, I would think that if he gets on the field next year, maybe, you know, maybe it's a different story. I, I don't know what Jordan Hancock's got to do to get on the field because I thought he was healthy at this point. Maybe not. Um, Can we go there for a second? Sure. Where where was where was he on Saturday? Have you heard anything of why he – no, I haven't. And and for the same reason, man, I'm sitting here trying to figure out where Mike Hall was. He played 13 snaps. Like he played less than a third of the defensive snaps. Why why are why is your best defensive lineman not on the field? And why is your corner, your your nickel corner that all year the coaching staff was raving about, this guy's got to get on the field. Why was he not out there? Now, maybe he wasn't 100% healthy. I I'm not privy to that information. But that's that's like the only excuse I can think of because what we saw isn't good enough. And and they know it in the building as much as the 17 million people that were watching on TV know it. So we'll we'll see. My my um my anticipation for tonight is that Ohio State is gonna come in number five. I would not be stunned if they're number four, but I would be stunned if Ohio State is ranked behind Alabama. I think it's going to be Georgia, Michigan, TCU, USC, Ohio State, Alabama. That's that's my guess, but I, I would not be shocked if the committee put Ohio State 4 and USC 5, albeit USC obviously has a chance to, you know, a, a chance to play this weekend and avenge an early season loss to Utah. Yeah, so I, I kind of hit on it earlier. I want to get your take. To me, I think TCU – is in even with a loss, assuming it's not uh, a blowout. Do you feel that same way, or do you think if TCU loses, no matter how they lose, the Buckeyes are in? Obviously, USC um, losing two creates even more chaos. But what's your take on just the TCU piece? I think TCU has played really, really well this year. And going into this weekend, there's not a doubt in my mind that they belong in the top four. But if they lose to Kansas State, I – I would have to look really hard at one loss teams and see who else belongs because 
I'm not totally sold on their talent. I know that sounds kind of silly. I, I just don't think the Big 12 is that good. I know what the rankings say. I know there are a bunch of Big 12 teams that are kind of helping fill out the rankings. I just I, I don't love that league this year. I, I, I don't even think it's like a historical thing. I just think the football in that conference this season hasn't been as good as it looked maybe six weeks ago. I think they're probably in, but I'm not ready to say that they're in regardless of if they lose this weekend, even if it's a close game. Um, I, I would have to really take a hard look at that because actually – I might be, I might be willing to put Alabama in in front of TCU if TCU loses to Kansas State. I, I would have to look really hard at that. I'm not not ready to make that statement for sure, mm-hmm. but um, TCU has to. For, from from my perspective, TCU needs to be impressive this weekend in a loss if they want to still lock themselves in. If they win, they belong in for sure. They're an undefeated mm-hmm. conference champion. There's no way that they're getting left out if they uh, if they win this weekend but we'll see we will see all right let's get into the fake punt thing real quick here um you know I, I admittedly I hadn't when I went back and watched the entire game you know they didn't say anything about it on the broadcast and I didn't I didn't really like rewind it and pause it mm-hmm. and stop and look specifically I didn't catch it until I started to see some of the stuff that was circulating on social media and looked into it more um and, and Jim Harbaugh talked about it in his Big Ten coaches like webinar that they had to preview the championship game. Yeah. He acknowledged that, you know, Ohio State whiffed. Uh, and so I go back and look at it. If you're not familiar with it at this point, uh, I'll, I'll briefly explain it to you. But the series where Ohio State had first and 35 and everybody was irritated that Ryan Day ran the ball on the first play. They threw a couple of passes, got it down onto the, the Michigan side of the field. It was fourth and short. It was 24 to 20. And CJ Stroud looks at the sideline and he's got this exasperated look like, come on, we got to go for this. I want to go for it. And Ryan Day puts the punt team on the field and it really, really ticked off some fans. Um, Turns out Ryan Day didn't want to punt the football. So I'm not trying to like pin blame on one guy because I'm sure he's having a tough time with it right now. Mm -hmm. But Mason Arnold is is your, your backup long snapper. And I thought he's done a, a decent job, you know, filling in for Bradley Robinson. But Arnold made a, what appeared to be a critical mistake in snapping the ball to the punter, Jesse Murko, instead of to Mitch Rossi, who was supposed to run a fake to the left. And Ohio State had Michigan absolutely dead to rights. I think at worst, it's a 30-yard gain, and it might have been a touchdown. Um if you didn't see the play, I remember in real time watching it thinking, oh, that was ugly. It's, yeah. Mirko, like took a step to his right and had to jerk back to the left to catch the ball. And if you watch even closer on the snap, so you've got the center here. Tommy Eichenberg is the first punt protector with Mitch Rossi to his left or to, to his right. And the play was designed for them to run left. Eichenberg, as soon as they snap the ball, puts his head down and sprints to the left. He was that close to having the, the ball snapped and hit him in the helmet. Mm-hmm. Rossi all of a sudden, like his deer in the headlights, I don't know what to do. And there's three unblocked Michigan players coming from uh, from Jesse Murko's right-hand side. Mm-hmm. It's a miracle 
that Mirko not only caught that ball, but then punted it with no protection and those three guys breathing down his neck. Um, total, total botched fake punt. And then for Ryan Day to have to stand up there in the post-game press conference and, and, and be asked about, hey, why were you so conservative in punting on fourth and very manageable from their side of the field? For him to have to stand up there and protect his guy and say, hey, I, I just thought it was the right thing to do to punt there. Man, that's a, that's a tough bullet to take. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, I was shocked seeing that yesterday. At the game Saturday, I just thought it looked funky. Like, hey, that was a weird formation. Did they miss something there? And then obviously it comes out yesterday. I saw it first when Harbaugh actually called it out saying, hey, we we dodged a bullet there. They would have got us on that fake punt. But it kind of led me to the question, like, why fake punt there and not just keep the ball in C.J. Stroud's hands and trust him? Why are we going to trust the backup long snapper and a former walk-on fullback to complete a key play in that game and take it out of your Heisman hopeful's hands and and that? So what was your take on that? Yeah, I, I get that. And that is definitely, you know, the hindsight is twenty twenty component of it because you messed it up. I, I'm actually okay with the call because I think the element of surprise is really what would have sprung a big play as a coaching staff. All you can do is call the play and trust that your guys are going to go execute what you've called, because that has to be something that they've rehearsed. They didn't put that on film all year. So it's not like Michigan could have known that that exact thing was coming, or at least it would have been really difficult for them to, to somehow figure out something was coming that Ohio state hasn't shown the whole season. Um, I don't know where the miscommunication breakdown was. You know, maybe you put that on coaching that that there was miscommunication, but I I tend to agree with Day on the element of surprise in that situation may have worked out uh, better. It didn't, and and that sucks. But I I don't hate the idea of trying to call a play like that because I think it really, I mean, look, it, it, it had Michigan was dead. They were done. Mm -hmm. They had no chance to stop that play, but the Buckeyes didn't execute it. No. And while we're on the topic of of play calling, a thought that I had just coming from Saturday, think about everything that happened and, and more so a grand scheme plan in the, and I may be wrong on this, but, the college football playoff era, I don't think there has been a head coach that has called plays on offense. Do you think Coach Day needs to focus more on the totality of the team, especially in today's climate where, hey, the, the transfer portal is opening up next Monday. you got to manage that. You're recruiting the kids that you already recruited to stay on your team. There's just so much more that a head coach has to do now than, heck, even two years ago. Um, do you think – giving up that offensive play calling allows him to focus more on what's going on with the rest of the team and turn it over to Kevin Wilson? It's a great question. And I think Ohio state right now is looking at what happened and saying, okay, whatever we did wasn't enough, both 
preparing for this game for the last 365 days and in the 60 minutes of game time. And so it would be insane to try to keep doing the same thing and expect a different result. I don't know that I'm personally there quite yet. Mm-hmm. I like Ryan Day's play calling enough that I don't want him to relinquish it yet. I think that's where I stand on this. I don't like all the bubble screens. That kind of drives me nuts. Um, I I really think that you kind of have to do what got you to that point. And Ryan Day has always been an offensive guy. He has, you know, he, he last year frustrated him to the point that he had to come away from the offensive side of the ball and be more involved with the defense because it was not being handled well. And the whole point in hiring Jim Knowles, Ryan Day said several times, hey, you got to be the coach of the defense. You are the head coach of that side of the ball. So I don't think that Ryan Day relinquishing play calling and being more involved from a macro level is going to somehow change the outcome from Saturday. I don't think I can make that leap. I agree that something needs to change. You know, we get access to the building. We get access to to players and coaches on a, you know, it's a regular basis, but it's not a full-blown behind the scenes. You know, the locker room's not open to the media. Um, You know, we get a couple of coaches a week, but it's, it's enough access that you get a feel for things. I don't have all of the details on all the behind the scenes info that goes on with the coaching staff. I don't know which coaches get along or which ones are okay working together. I don't know where there could be some, some, um, you know, you know, butting heads a little bit versus, you know, some total compatibility. And I don't want to create drama out of nowhere. That's not fair, but everybody says the right things publicly. And I, I get the impression that most of these guys are pretty genuine. I know Coach Hartline and Coach Alford and, and, and Coach Fry love what Ryan Day is doing offensively. Um, I guess I haven't had that specific conversation with Kevin Wilson, but I get the impression that Kevin Wilson and Ryan Day have been simpatico. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you look to make a change at offensive coordinator. I don't know if that's a fair thing to think. But in terms of actual calling the plays, I don't think I'm ready to to ask Ryan Day, if I'm Gene Smith, to, to apply some kind of pressure to Ryan where he's got to make that kind of change. Because we've seen too many good results, in my opinion, from Ryan calling plays. I mean, look, he's 45 and 5. I know it was it's unacceptable to lose to Michigan, and it's certainly unacceptable to get blown out back-to-back years. I think we've seen way too many good things to ask him to stop calling plays. Yep. It's a crazy thing to even ask when you have a top five offense in the country, but it's just, it's something to consider if, if there's. It is. And and I understand the reaction to like, Hey, this was terrible. It was a bad game. You lost by 22 at home to your rival when they, when you were favored by nine and they didn't have their best player on the field, something's got to change. So, so you immediately start trying to, you know, figure out, okay, well, what can we change? I, I, I said it yesterday on social media and there's some interesting comments uh, disagreeing with me. I, I am not in the crowd 
a fire Ryan Day. I think that's stupid. I really, really don't think that's the best course of action for Ohio State football. And it kind of blows me away how many people are on social media saying, nope, the best course of action is to fire this guy because you can't <laughs> lose two years in a row to your rival. I'm yeah. like, guys, pump the brakes. Come on. We can um, have that conversation down the line. My, my thought with the offensive play calling, and I, I don't think I'm there yet either um, with making it making a wholesale change there. The only thing I thought about was last year, it's a little bit different than what happened last year. The defense all last year, you could see holes in it. They, I mean, the Tulsa game, plenty of examples. They couldn't really stop anybody last year. So that was kind of a, a consistent problem where this is really just kind of the Michigan game. You don't want to go yeah. make a wholesale change off, off this one game. If it continues to be a problem throughout next season, then you definitely have to look at it. And that's why we're not to the point where we need to make all these offensive uh, changes yet like we had to do with the defense last year because that was a problem all year long. And just yep. really came to a head against Michigan. So we're not we're not quite there, in my opinion, yet to, to relating that to last year and the defense changes that were made. Yep. Okay, I want to wrap up with two uh, quick things that we teased off the top. Uh, we'll start with Luke Fickle to Wisconsin. I, I got to be honest, I was a little surprised that the move happened, but it feels like a hell of a fit for for Luke. I really thought Luke Fickle was not going to leave Cincinnati unless it was for one of two jobs. And one of them got filled by Marcus Freeman last year. And the other one is the job in Columbus that he had for, for one season under tough circumstances. I really thought he was going to stay at, at UC. Um, I think Wisconsin with the kind of leadership that Luke Fickle is capable of bringing could be a legitimate national power. And he, he is all about, toughness and physicality and you think about what we've seen and grown to know Wisconsin football to be about with what Luke Fickle is all about it it kind of feels like a perfect marriage to me and I as an Ohio State fan I'm a little uneasy about it because I think Wisconsin's on the verge of something special those guys up there that they have on their team, those are Luke Fickle type of guys. You bet. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm down here in Cincinnati, so uh, Sports Talk Radio this week is, I guess the best way I can sum it up is, is shocked. UC fans are are totally shocked that it's the Wisconsin job of all jobs that took their took their coach away. I'm I'm with you, Brendan. I thought it would, would be Ohio State or nothing, and I think UC fans thought the same thing. So uh, for them to, to lose them to Wisconsin, it's – it's been a shocking time down here in Cincinnati. Every caller on every show is I just can't believe it that yeah. it, it's the Badgers. But um, yeah, I think it's a match made in heaven. Those kids are tough at Wisconsin. If he can get, um, I don't know if they're going to look to the portal. I think Graham Mertz has one more year, if I'm not mistaken. I it's hard to keep track nowadays with the COVID years. Well, the COVID like, year, right? right. <laughs> so I think he, Graham Mertz has one more year. I don't think um, they they bring in a UC quarter. I don't think he he but doesn't like Riley. I was thinking that too. I saw Cade entering the transfer portal. Obviously, it doesn't go live till till next Monday, but um, yeah, I think Cade McNamara would be a perfect fit for for Luke Fickle. Um, I don't think he does a Lincoln Riley and brings brings along uh, Ben Bryan or Evan Prater with him to to Madison. But um, I'm a little nervous about Wisconsin. They play next year. It's actually on my birthday, so hopefully that's a no. a win for the Buckeyes up in <laughs> Madison. But um, yeah, Wisconsin and is going to be a serious threat once Luke Fickle gets his system in place up there. I mean, look, he's proven he can recruit. 
Uh, and that's the biggest thing because you know what he's all about. You know, anybody who's an Ohio State fan certainly knows his background at this point. He's all about toughness. He's a former incredible wrestler and, and a great player uh, on the gridiron. You know, I, I I think Wisconsin's got some pretty bright days ahead of them. And I don't know how the Big Ten is going to restructure when they bring USC and UCLA into the fold. Uh, if they keep divisional play, Wisconsin's certainly not moving from west to east. Um I, I don't know how they're going to structure who makes a Big Ten championship run or not, but the toughness required to play Wisconsin football and in a uh, in an environment like Camp Randall, uh, man, it just that feels like such a home run hire. So uh, good for Luke. I'm happy for him. And as a Buckeye fan, yeah, a little nervous. Uh, mm-hmm. Definitely a little nervous. Uh, and the last thing we'll wrap with is is the somewhat surprising news that came out last night about Ohio State University President Christina Johnson. Uh, the details are kind of fuzzy, and I don't know if we're going to get any clarity on it, uh, but she has resigned. And, in fact, she it was supposed to come today, Tuesday, uh, but she actually late last night announced her resignation. It What we know is that it came about because of Somebody on her staff saw or heard something she did or said, and there was a review of of her conduct uh, from an outside firm. And whatever they found, they presented to the Board of Trustees, and the Board of Trustees at Ohio State said, okay, we expect your resignation. And there wasn't much of a fight from what we understand on her end. But it couldn't have been that bad because she's allowed to stay in her role through the end of the academic year. So I don't I don't want to speculate at the nature of what that is. That's not fair. You know, clearly it couldn't have been something criminal or she would have been asked to leave immediately. Um, But it's rather abrupt. It was a five year contract and she's going to leave basically after two and a half years. Um, Well, it's two and a half years now by the time she serves out the end of the academic year, it'll be three years, uh, but not a very long stay for Dr. Johnson um, as Ohio State's president. And and I hope uh, I hope whatever it is doesn't come back to reflect poorly on the university. Yeah, I'm, just the last thing you said there, totally uh, agree. Hopefully it's nothing uh, serious. Same line of thinking you had, if it was, she wouldn't be staying until the end of the academic year, but I'm sure more will will come out as we as we get to that point. But yeah, pretty pretty surprising news uh, last night. Well, and, and you know, as it relates to sports, uh, she's on the college football playoff uh, board mm-hmm. of managers. She replaced Penn State's former president on that board. Um, I have put out a couple of questions to some folks that I I hope would know the answer to this, but I have not gotten a better response um, than my own guessing at this point. I don't know if she's going to be able to stay on the board after she resigns as Ohio state's president, my, my gut instinct is no, but I don't know what the rules are there from the CFP. So we're still looking into that. Uh, and I'll, I'll let you know if we learn anything on that front. All right. Uh, that'll wrap up our, uh, our podcast here for this morning. We'll continue to bring you the best coverage we can throughout the course of the week. Um, certainly it's a big night for the Buckeyes. We, we let off and talked for the first half of the show about the fact that we think Ohio state should still be ranked ahead of Alabama Uh, going into tonight's college football playoff penultimate rankings. But we'll find out. Uh, It's a big ranking reveal show later tonight on ESPN, and and we will certainly be watching. We'll let you know our thoughts when, uh, when we find out for sure where Ohio State is ranked. 
For Craig Heisen, I'm Brendan Gulick. Thanks for hanging out with us this morning. Another good audience and, and certainly uh, appreciate the support for the show. If you don't mind, please subscribe to the channel. That's the best way you can support us. Uh, we do a lot of these streams live. If this is your first time, thank you for joining us and know that uh, you can find us live on our YouTube channel or after the fact, wherever you like to find your favorite podcasts. For all the latest news and info on Ohio State football, head over to BuckeyesNow.com. And we will have some news later today on the uh, all-conference selections on the defensive side. The offensive selections are coming out tomorrow, but this afternoon we'll find out which Ohio State players are recognized by the league, uh, coaches and media, for their defensive performances for the year. We'll see you a little bit later on, and uh, fingers crossed the Buckeyes are ranked in front of Alabama tonight.